Today we're chatting with Dr. Caroline Gervich, who is a Senior Research Fellow and a Clinical Neuropsychologist at Monash University. Thanks for joining me, Caroline. Thank you, Anya, for having me. I'm delighted to join you. Uh, Very much appreciate it. Could you tell me just a little bit about your background? Sure. So um, I've been working as a research fellow or senior research fellow at the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre for many years now, and I'm also a clinical neuropsychologist. So as a neuropsychologist, I'm interested in cognitive functioning, in the way that we think, in brain-behaviour relationships. And in my role at um, MAPRC, or the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre, I've got a particular interest in women's mental health and and cognitive functioning in women's mental health. So I'm interested in um, gender differences in women's mental health and the impact on cognition in the relationship between hormones and cognition, so things like menstrual cycle and contraceptive pills and how they impact the way that women think differently in some women, the menopause shift and how that might impact cognitive functioning and mental health symptoms. So they're my key areas of research interest at the moment, but I've also actually done a lot of research in um, psychiatric illnesses, particularly in schizophrenia, spectrum disorders, and understanding cognitive functioning across different areas of psychiatry, like including schizophrenia. Oh, it sounds fascinating. I'm actually the parent of a son who has schizophrenia. So right. at some point down the track, it would be great to talk to you about that. I'd like to know more. I've been a carer for 25 years, but I still don't feel like I completely understand about his illness. Yes, and I, I think even from a, an academic and research and clinical perspective, I think there's so much we still don't understand about schizophrenia and the different presentations of schizophrenia and, and the lack of treatments. And my area of interest in, in that regard is in cognitive functioning which is a big core symptom for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people with schizophrenia that's just very much un, um, poorly understood and undertreated. So, mm. um, yes, it's a little bit different to, I think, what we were going to talk about today, but, I, but yeah, that's an area of research that I've worked in a lot. Mm. We'll stick to our topic for today, but sure. I'd also like to ask you, because I know you're down there in Melbourne and the Stage 4 restrictions yes. have come in with curfews. How... How is it to try and work in an environment where you have all of this going on? Has it created a lot more uh, barriers and challenges for you? Uh, Absolutely. I think for everyone, we're in a state that no one's been in before and there's a lot of uncertainty and concern and stress and anxiety. And, I mean, personally, I've got the juggle of homeschooling I'm just keeping the door shut now, but there are three children on the other side of that door who are homeschooling at the moment. They're all primary school aged, and my youngest is in prep, so that's a challenge in its own because obviously they need some supervision. So it's very busy, it's chaotic, it's uncertain. Try and look at the positives and the family time, and sometimes it's challenging to focus on the positives with these times. Mm. Mm. But meanwhile, you have been working, I think, that you've had a project at Monash tracking mental health during the COVID-19 outbreak, and I'm really keen to hear where you're at with that today. Yeah, yeah sure. So we started this survey, the first people started to respond at the very start of April, on April the 3rd, and we opened the survey up to anyone over the age of 18, it's an online survey anywhere in Australia, 
and we've analysed the first lot of results. So we've had over 2,000 people who have responded and we're tracking people every two months to find out what's happening to people's mental health. And we're also interested in sort of understanding psychological distress, depression, anxiety. We are looking at one measure of suicidal thoughts as well. And then we're looking at other things like coping strategies and resilience because we want to know what's helpful as well as how people are doing at the moment and, and then a range of demographic factors uh, such as whether people have had changes to their employment and, and we're looking at gender differences and a range of different things. So I'm, I'm happy to share the first round of our results which collated the first group of responders between April the 3rd and May the 3rd of this year. And from that, we had about 1,500 people who completed the survey. And we found nearly half of respondents were experiencing some degree of psychological distress. So that was at the early stage. That was during the first lockdown that Melbourne was experiencing. But there was still, I think, a lot. There was uncertainty in the community, but there was a little bit of hope as well. But even at that time, there was a substantial number of people who were experiencing different degrees of distress. And I think one of the more concerning or interesting findings for us was that there was a, a gender different females and, and this has been shown in lots of different studies now that there's a big gender disparity in the mental health responses to the current COVID situation where females are showing a higher level of psychological distress, a higher level of depression, a higher level of anxiety and um, we were also seeing higher rates of suicidal thoughts in females compared to males. So yeah, I that, that kind of the key finding that we found that I can go through in more detail if you'd like about actual percentages and things like that. If yeah, you're I am. I'm really interested to, for you to unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the measures that we use broke down different degrees of different aspects of mental health. So we looked specifically at psychological stress and we found that 39% of females had moderate to severe levels of psychological distress compared to 31% of males. We found that 35%, so over a third of our sample of females, had moderate to severe levels of depression compared to um, 19% of males. So that's quite high, those levels. I should also say that from our sample, a proportion of people had identified as having some mental um, health issue in the past. So it could be that the current situation was triggering a mental health episode for somebody who had previously been diagnosed with someone with, with a mental health illness, or it could be new onset of depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms for, for some of these men and women. Because mm, um, the rates are normally, oh, I think the Australian rate is what, between one to four or one to five people yeah. will experience a mental health issue. Exactly, exactly. So these rates are, we, although we have we didn't assess these people prior to the pandemic outbreak, but it they are higher than what you'd expect in the general population. So is it is it a narrower uh, range now? Are we looking at one to three or, or something around that level? Roughly. That was the, the people who responded to our survey, and yes, mm. that was the, the rates that we were seeing. So a lot higher than what you'd expect in a normal time if you just took a sample of 2,000 people from the community. Mm. So it is concerning and, mm. and not, not surprising given the, that people's certainty is, is taken away from them and their, their routine and everything's kind of pulled out from underneath people and they're in a time of uncertainty. A, a normal response to that is for people to feel anxious or stressed or depressed or 
distress, those sorts of feelings are, are, are how people are responding to the change in situation and concern with, with COVID. Mm, mm. So I can go through some of the other uh, rates and figures if, if you're if you yes, like. I yes, please. Very um, interested. I was just saying about the depression, but we also measured stress levels and we found that 27% of females had moderate to severe levels of stress compared to 10% of males. And we had 21% of females who had moderate to severe levels of anxiety compared to 9% of males. So just across those areas of depression, stress and anxiety, we saw a consistent pattern where females were experiencing higher levels of depression, anxiety and stress compared to males. We also looked at suicidal thoughts and the highest rates of suicidal thoughts when we broke our sample up into different age groups was young women. So women aged between 18 to 24, that was where the highest rates of suicidal thoughts were. So 37% of women in that age group. So that was 18 to... To 24. 24, that's... gosh. Yes, compared to 17% of men who were in that 18 to 24 year group. Mm. So that was the group that, that... had the highest rates of suicidal thoughts. Gee. So we, we had a, just one question on suicidal thoughts, which is a valid measure of suicidal thoughts, but we weren't ex- able in a position from our survey to explore this in detail, but from that question, that's what the rates were, mm. which is concerning. It is, it is concerning, but it just sort of, it, it, I suppose it, you start to get a picture of how serious the impact of COVID is on, on people's well-being when yes. they are uh, feeling that they may not have hope. Yes. Yes. So we've now repeated this survey, so we haven't had an opportunity yet to analyse the next round of results, which is just coming through now, to see how people are adapting, I guess, to the changes in our situation. There would have been some hope a little while ago when the, our numbers were quite low and our numbers have gone up again. So I would assume that there will be significant impacts on people's mental health again during this next lockdown, particularly in Melbourne. Although I have to say that the results um, from our survey are Australia-wide. So there might be um, a spread across different states um, in relation to the different circumstances. Are you, are you tracking the data as separate for the different states? We are, we're getting people's postcodes so we can track um, by state and we're also interested in some of the um, rural, regional people compared to people who are in cities, whether that has an impact on people at different levels of support or community support. But I last time we did the survey, there probably wasn't a large difference between states, but I think that will change this time around. So mm. it will be interesting to see. But the concerns may spread to other states. It might be that people are still anxious and concerned, even if they're not in Melbourne. It, it might still there might still be high levels of concern in other states as well. So the latest data that you're still to analyse is that from May to June or May through to July. It's every everyone when they complete the survey, they get another survey two months later. So it will be roughly from from June to. July or June to August so it's not so yeah it's just every two months someone right. will anyone can start the survey at any point and enter our survey and then at two months later they'll receive the survey again so we'll be able to track people every two months so we're trying to keep the window of how frequently people complete the survey um, consistent. Is the survey still open if people want to join in and participate? Yes it is 
It is. So people can perhaps jump onto our MAPRC website and have a look. There's a link to the survey. That's probably the easiest way to, to find our survey. So that's the M-A-P-R-C? Yes, dot org dot A-U. Dot org dot A-U. I'm just writing that down here so I can read yes. it back later on. Uh, yeah, terrific. So that's that's great. But yes, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the data that comes out from the stage, what's happening with the stage four restrictions. And I understand... Uh, that stage three restrictions have been introduced in regional Victoria as well? Yes, yes. So a lot of the restrictions have extended to regional Victoria, which were spared some of the restrictions, and then they've gradually increased um, the restrictions across all of Victoria. Mm, mm. Yes. So big changes to people's lives, lots of uncertainty, lots of concern for a lot of people, Um Something else I can share from our survey that might be on more of a positive note for some people is some of the coping strategies that are associated with better mental health outcomes because I think that's always something good that people can try to do. So we, we found that there were certain coping strategies that were associated with better mental health outcomes and different coping strategies that were associated with poorer mental health outcomes. So things like self-blame, venting, so just speaking over and over about what's going on, which in some ways people might think, oh, it's good to get it off your chest, but we found those things and self-distraction, those things were associated with poor mental health. And on the converse side, there were strategies associated with better mental health with things like positive reframing, acceptance of the situation and humour. So those three strategies were associated with better mental health outcomes. So there are things people can do if they're not feeling great or, or try to do to try and improve their mental health, different strategies that um, people can engage in mm. to try and make themselves feel feel better. Can you explain for our listeners what positive reframing means? Yes, yes, of course. So the, the three coping styles that are we found to be associated with better mental health outcomes are those that are classified as what we call positive emotion-focused coping styles. So positive reframing refers to the ability to reinterpret or reappraise a stressful event in positive terms. So the stressful event at the moment that we asked the questions about was the COVID outbreak and the change in the circumstances associated with that. And there are certain steps that you can do to try and change the way you think about things. So it's basically a, a different interpretation of the event or the experience. So it's, it's keeping, being aware of what you're thinking about the, an event or a stress so it might be about the new restrictions or it might be about the increase in COVID cases in Victoria whatever the thought is that makes you feel anxious or makes you feel a bit dis- distressed the first step I guess is finding that thought so being able to identify the thought that makes you feel anxious or, or depressed and writing it down so you know what you can identify your problem and you can identify the thoughts that you have and it's, it's the words that you use inside your head when you're thinking about that as well as the, the words that you use when you're talking to people about that situation so it might be about the lockdown at the moment that you're feeling that you're dreading this lockdown if you're in Melbourne or it might be if you're in another state that you're concerned about the increasing cases in Victoria and that it might spread to the state you're in or the region that you're in so it, it, it's identifying what that 
thought is and writing it down and being aware of that. And then you can, once you've identified the thought that's triggering some of those feelings and emotions, it's about trying to reframe that thought into a more positive light. So it might be that we know that we've been through a version of this lockdown and we got through it and we can do it again. It might be trying to find the positives for the lockdown. It might be about feeling safe in the state that you're in because you can wear a mask and you can wash your hands and you can follow the hygiene rules and things like and their social or physical distancing. It might be reframing it to think that you, if you're if you're worried about losing contact with your friends, that you can still maintain contact through other means like social media and video calls and telephone calls. Those sorts of things. So trying to reframe something that's negative into a positive life. Mm. And and again, writing it down and then being aware of the connection between your new positive way of thinking and whether that has a positive impact on your feelings and emotions after you've kind of reframed that thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And uh, it's certainly, uh, I think, something that people do need to do in order to be able to get past uh, some of the days when you feel a little overwhelmed by mm. what's going on. Uh, I can imagine, you know, people, we're concerned. We're, the ACT is right smack dab between mm-hmm. Victoria and New South Wales, but I think we, we here are saying uh, we are lucky, you know, yes. that we, we might still be having to, you know, experience many challenges, but we're fortunate in that we are able to still move around and, and have less restrictions and we there's an incentive then to maintain those. Exactly. Um, yeah, maintain the good hygiene, maintain uh, the positive ways of going about so that we are actually part of the part of the force to overcome the challenges of COVID nineteen. Yes, yes, exactly. The, the other two coping strategies that we've found to be associated with better mental health outcomes was acceptance, which mm-hmm. is another positive emotion-focused coping style where you just have to accept or, or learn to accept the reality of a stressful situation. So we found that people had acceptance as one of their coping styles had lower anxiety and lower stress scores. And then the other coping strategy is humour to try and deal with some negative emotions. And that's been shown in previous uh, traumatic and conflict-type areas where people can use humour to feel better and to cope with their emotions and lower their stress levels. Mm. It's almost common sense. Sometimes it feels wrong to laugh about things, but I think it's giving yourself permission that it's okay to to laugh at the memes that are going around on social media and things like that because humour is a good thing to get you through. I'd, I'd tell you what I, I've found really amusing lately, but I, I can't say it on air. <laughs> <laughs> there are some funny things going around, and I think they're important. It's good to have a laugh. It's so important. Well, it's about another country with, you know, we're blessed here, really. How yes. blessed we are here in this country. Yes. But there's some very funny comments on various different overseas posts about yes. uh, uh various different things and concerning things as well. But at the same time, some of the comments are just, you know, very funny. I found that quite amusing and it's a a daily source of mirth for me uh, and helped me overcome some of the feelings I've I've had and concerns I've had. Yeah, just just sharing that. But, yeah, I agree. And uh, I I don't know, when I was speaking with Jayshree, we talked about um, she enjoys watching Harry Potter (laughs) 
Oh, yes. <laughs> but there must be lots of things that people can do in order to uh, refocus their attention away from uh, what's happening in the news and so forth to sort of um, yes. minimise the, the impacts of um, what's happening outside the door and in yeah, other states. Yeah, we, we did see that I think once people started to watch more than four to six hours of or social media or news-related stories, that was kind of the tipping point when mental health got worse. So you obviously need a bit of exposure and know what's going on. But, but then you have to force yourself to, to turn it off and to switch on something that's going to make you feel better. doesn't have to be technology. It can be going outside and spending time with family and playing board games or cooking or whatever it is that makes you happy. But it is yeah, you do have to switch off from the news and the media because it can get you down. Hmm. Now, I, I would like to just backtrack a little bit because you were talking about the impact on women in particular and I'm really... Yes keen to hear from your expertise around this is is this that you're saying younger women seem to be highly stressed uh do older women are they also finding this a very stressful time is yes is yeah so we saw it across different age groups it was just the suicide thoughts that we found that really differentiated across the different age groups but in terms of you know, depression and stress and anxiety, that's seen in women at all different age groups, an increase. Just quickly about the suicide, is that because um, younger people, uh, you know, have a hope for the future of buying a home and uh, employment and and study and so forth? They've got their whole lives ahead of them. Is there sort of a sense of worry about where where we're going and what the future holds as part of... Is that part of the factors that might be leading to those very negative thinking? I would imagine we didn't have the opportunity to tease apart yet what factors contribute to the higher suicidal thoughts in that age group of women. So we, we I can't answer exactly what it is, but the things you alluded to absolutely make sense in terms of the loss of hope and dreams or a change or and the uncertainty would certainly have a, a great impact on a lot of young women and potentially women who are are missing crucial social years where they should be out having a great time and that's taken away from them at the moment. So there's, I mean, that obviously impacts men as well. But, yeah, all of those factors might play a more significant part in women's mental health Mm. for that younger women between the ages of 18 and 24. And but you were saying the impacts are heavier upon all women across all the different age groups. Why do you think that is? Were you able to identify some of the factors that were leading into that? Not exactly, but just it's there's a higher rate of depression even in pre-COVID times. Women experience a higher rate of mood symptoms, depression, and anxiety compared to men, and this situation has just ex- exacerbated that discrepancy. There is a lot of literature showing a number of gender disparity or that the COVID situation is magnified in terms of job security, division of labour, domestic, increasing domestic violence. All of those factors are likely to impact women more than men. So we, we didn't tease apart exactly the relationship between each of those factors and how it directly impacted mental health. But there is certainly a lot of literature that's just emerged over the past couple of months just showing how much this pandemic is, is having an impact 
impact on women and all of those factors then flow into mental health. So it's, it's not surprising and it's consistent with the differences between genders that have been shown over many decades in terms of depression and anxiety rates being higher in women. There are a number of theories, not during COVID, just more broadly as to why there are differences in, in men and women and the way that they experience mental health symptoms, such as depression and anxiety. They've, they've done a lot of research trying to understand the role of sex hormones and for many women there's an exacerbation of different types of mental illnesses at times when estrogen levels drop because there's a big theory about estrogen being a neuroprotective agent that promotes better and healthier neurotransmitter systems in the brain and better mood and a whole range of different systems in the brain. And so that's one of the theories at a biological level as to why there might be differences in mental health symptoms between men and women. And often the mood symptoms and the gender disparity often emerges post-puberty when these sex hormone differences start to emerge. So that's, that's one theory that's probably unrelated to COVID but just more broadly related to some of the sex differences that we see in mental health. But during COVID, there's probably a lot of psychosocial factors that have impacted women more than men, like the ones that I mentioned about just domestic factors and job security factors and labour factors and those sorts of things that might have a greater impact on women. Mm. So I suppose in thinking about uh, that, should women who are listening be ensuring that they're taking better care of their mental health and their physical health and well-being? Absolutely. I think for all people, definitely try and take care of your mental health. Don't be hard on yourself at the moment. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress, anxiety and, and challenges that lots of people are going through at the moment. So where you can promote your mental health and try and look after your mental health, I would encourage everyone to do that, men and women, and look out for, for each other and be kind to each other and all of those kinds of things. I think at times of uncertainty like this, Trying to implement as much certainty into your life can be helpful, like trying to have routine, trying to look after your physical health, trying to have a nutritious diet, trying to get exercise and fresh air. Those things are really important. Trying to stay connected with your friends and family to get the social supports and to have nice conversations and, and happy times as well is really important. Mm. So, yes, I think it's a time that we really do need to look out for our own mental health and the mental health of our friends and family. Mm. If you, we want to end on a positive note, it's just about trying to, uh, we can't change the situation at the moment, we can do our best to follow all the guidelines, but it's about trying to look after our own mental health and those of others, so trying to do what makes us feel happier and feel better, and if you're feeling particularly down or particularly anxious or particularly stressed, it's really important to try and seek professional help, and if you notice that in someone else as well, to try and seek professional help if you feel like you're not managing it on your own and it's absolutely okay and encouraged to do that Mm, absolutely I'd Mm. I'd really love to talk to you about some of these other issues and I'd I'd love to hear down the track how the results from your next round of the survey data how that is looking compared to your earlier uh, data that you've collected, I think that will be very, very interesting. Are you at some point going to try and dive deeper into some of these issues which you're you're looking at around 
the the gender differences and particularly around the suicidal thoughts, which is really interesting. Yes, absolutely. We we are we are keen to learn a lot more as, as much as we can and to feed that back to the general public so we can help people. So yes, that's the next step is to or I guess two factors. One is to to dive deeper, as you said, and trying to get a better understanding of what contributes to poorer mental health and what contributes to better mental health and, and resilience, and then to see how it unfolds over time so we can learn, again, more about those risk factors and protective factors. Yeah, it's been terrific chatting with you today. Thank you so very much, and I'm sure that the listeners found this uh, very interesting and I'd love to as I said I'd love to chat about schizophrenia down the track as well because that's something I think many parents of people who are living with uh, a psychosis would be interested to know more about yes. uh, and particularly also you know I don't know whether you've gone into looking at medication and and how that all all impacts upon somebody's uh, how the the, the cognition factors I'm I'm quite keen my son seems to know quite a lot about his medication a bit bit of an expert on it but I don't really understand so I'd I'd love to learn a little bit more and I think it'd be something interesting for for our audience to hear about yes I'd be more than happy to talk about that down the track yeah thank you very much for your time today Carolyn really thank uh, you really appreciate it and um, I hope that you're able to think positively about the stage yes. four <laughs> lockdown <laughs> do more, my best <laughs> more time at home with the kids more yes. family time <laughs> yes yes I'll, I'll try and yes keep that in mind and keep it as positive as I can (laughs) and wish you all the best in the ACT and I hope you don't end up in this situation as well. Well, I think one of the the best things is that uh, Woolworths, who own, you know, a number of different stores, BWS and a whole range of them and even Bunnings, are all coming on board and asking people to wear masks in the store. That happens, that starts today and I feel that that is a really great proactive um, action yes. that that they're taking to reduce the transmission of the disease. So I hope the community gets behind that. I know that in New South Wales, I think it's mandatory, but here we it's not mandatory, but it certainly is a good thing to do to uh, Absolutely. A, a, assist. Yeah. Yes. So yes. do what yeah. you can do. Do what you can do. That's exactly right. Anyway, yes. really thank you very, very much for um, your time today. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Anya. No worries. Thank you. Thanks.